Welcome to Aging with Grace 55 Plus. This is your host, Dale Josie, welcoming you to my monthly audio podcast, sponsored in part by Kentucky AARP. This series is designed for anyone who wants to enjoy the journey of a lifetime after age 55. We provide useful tips not only for taking care of yourself, family, and friends, but also how to potentially enjoy life more abundantly for people ages 55, 65, 75, and beyond. Some of our guests doing what many listeners may only dream about or never even thought possible. So enjoy their stories on this unique lifestyle podcast and be prepared to share your own along with hearing useful tips and vital information for everyone aging with grace. In today's program, former Lieutenant Governor and Orthopedic Surgeon, Dr. Stephen Henry, discusses largely preventable prostate cancer and shares his personal journey in surviving this highly treatable cancer when caught at an early stage. His interview is mixed with information and tidbits that you can use to amuse or baffle your friends. So if you'll listen, I promise we'll have some fun, including hearing from an expert on an issue that matters to you or someone important in your life. Many of you listening to my podcast, uh, you've heard me reference a new author that I found whose book I'm enjoying reading. The author is Margie Worrell. And she has got a great book out called You've Got This. And uh, some of my readings I wanted to kind of share with you as follows. Um, because, see, it occurs to me that a lot of us are always waiting for the right moment, right? We can't do this or we can't do that because we're waiting for the, the right moment to take the best shot that we have. And if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll waste your best years in a waiting room because you're just waiting and hoping versus just why not do it now, right? Borrowing a, a, a phrase from a very popular product, just do it. Well, and actually a phrase belongs to Nike. I don't want to get in trouble with anyone on uh, copyright issues. So I'll give credit because you know who it is. But in uh, Maggie's book, she uh, writes that um, if you're in your 40s or 50s or 60s or far beyond, Let's refuse to let the number of years you've been alive for be your excuse for not taking the actions you might wish you'd taken years ago. The actions that would add a whole new dimension to your life today. Our future story, and this is the good news, folks, our future story is written in pencil. It is not carved in stone. It can be changed. There's no fixed chronology to self-determination, no age limit for breakthroughs. Consider the following. Julia Child was 49 when she wrote her first cookbook. Laura Ingalls Wilder didn't start writing until her 40s and didn't pen Little House on the Prairie until she was in her 60s. And for our fashionistas out there, yes, you know who you are, Vera Wang was 39 years old before she started designing clothes. And then Colonel Harlan Sanders was in his 60s when he started Kentucky Fried Chicken. And here's a classic. Here's a classic that I was not aware of. Diana Nyad was 64 years old when, after four failed attempts spanning 36 years, 
she finally achieved her long-held ambition of swimming the infamous channel of shark-ridden waters from Cuba to Florida. 36 years. Four failed attempts. And she was finally 64 when she accomplished her dream. You see, that's, you know, we can't say that windows are closed or open because that's what windows do. And you know what the kicker is? You likely could not have opened the window if you hadn't had every single experience you've had up to this point. Each and every experience that we've had, particularly tough ones that knocked us flat or left us feeling defeated, humiliated, humbled, or heartbroken, they're all catalysts for us to learn and discover and grow into the persons that we are today. I mean, just imagine who you'd be today, who I'd be today, We've gotten everything we ever wanted. That's just not reality. See, reality means you feel the sting of rejection or the kick in the guts of failing at something. Without those, we wouldn't be half the people we are today. So whatever your age, whatever your situation, whatever the setbacks you've faced or the heartaches you've nursed or the stories you've told yourself about who you are and what you can do or cannot do, let's do this. Let's do this, as Maggie concludes, however humble or scary, no matter what the vision is that we've set our sights on, do it on something that lights us up. Something that gets the neurons going. Something that gets you excited in the morning, gets you out of bed. Because research shows that while we lose some abilities as we grow older, here's the good news. The good news is the benefits of those we gain far exceed any abilities that are lost. So in conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, rather than ask, what can I accomplish despite my struggles? Here's a better question I challenge you with. What can we accomplish because of them? Before we begin our next segment on Aging with Grace featuring Dr. Stephen Henry, I need to make a quick uh, program note or correction. You'll recall from my last episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing the, the delightful Gail Reese. She's the organizer of uh, I Know Expo. And uh, that event will actually be held on Saturday, September the 11th, from 10 a.m. to 3 o'clock p.m. at the Lexington Center. And more information on the I Know Expo can be found at I Know, K-N-O-W-E-X-P-O, iknowexpo.org. And now for today's guest. My next guest is orthopedic surgeon Dr. Stephen Henry who was also the 52nd Lieutenant Governor of Kentucky from 1995 through 2003. Dr. Henry has a vast history of public service. He is a medical pioneer, a land conservationist, a prostate cancer survivor, and preservationist. He has served our nation's military veterans through his military practice as a trauma orthopedic surgeon. His vision to protect and preserve Floyd's Fork in Louisville, Kentucky, has led to the development of one of the nation's premier park systems. Dr. Stephen Henry has also been instrumental in providing free prostate cancer screenings for men throughout Kentucky, while also preserving the legacy of Kentucky's own Rosemary Clooney for future generations. Welcome, Dr. Stephen Henry, to Aging with Grace. Are you there, sir? 
I am. And thanks for uh, telling everybody I'm an orthopedic surgeon because I know there are those who would know that and are going to wonder why I'm talking about prostate cancer. <laughs> That's exactly right. But in addition to being an orthopedic surgeon and a survivor of prostate cancer, which we're going to get into in a minute, you are a very busy man. Uh, just reading your bio made me tired. Well, it's uh, life is uh, full of excitement. Indeed. And, uh, and, and today's just one of those examples of things that we love doing. Well, well, that's so good, Steve. And um, uh, when you, uh, you mind if I call you Doctor Steve? Is that okay? You, you can call me whatever. I'm, I'm used to it all. <laughs> Just not late to dinner, right? That, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Your politics, you answered all. all <laughs> <laughs> well, out of respect, I'll call you Doctor Stephen, and I tell you why. Uh, so, some of my other guests have said, "I uh, know, just call me, you know, whatever." And I said, "Listen, if I was ever uh, fortunate enough to earn a doctorate." Uh, they're not like just handing those out. The kids would call me Dr. Dad. That's just how <laughs> I would have rolled. So uh, utmost respect to Dr. Stephen. I appreciate your time, sir. When you talk about life being amazing, uh, we have amazing adventures. And then we also have some amazing challenges, uh, one of which is, is uh, near and dear to your heart, uh, prostate cancer. I understand you're a survivor, so can you can you walk us through uh, your how this journey began through prostate cancer and ultimately, thank God, to being a survivor? Well, it was very interesting. Uh, it was my last year's lieutenant governor. We had had uh, one child, and we were expecting our second child, and I had just some minor symptoms, and I was uh, looking at, uh, you know, at one of my friends, and he said, come see me, and so I went to see him, and Suddenly, as he turned around and after the exam, and he said, we, we need to get a PSA, which is a blood test for prostate cancer. We did. And uh, he suddenly uh, was very alarmed at the, the, the two tests. And he, despite the fact that I was under 50, uh, we proceeded to a biopsy and, and uh, got the diagnosis that I had prostate cancer. And uh, so we proceeded. Uh, I waited two weeks until my second child was born. And then I uh, told my uh, my new wife of two years uh, what we what the challenge was, and uh, had 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 the opportunity to get to John Hopkins, and uh, and on the quiet because uh, again, uh, you know, Heather was expecting our second child, and so I didn't want to do anything to affect that delivery, and so I went through that process and uh, and was evaluated John Hopkins, and shortly after the birth of Taylor, our second child, I went to John Hopkins. And uh, just for the personal privacy of getting out of uh, Louisville, we have great surgeons here in Kentucky, but I wanted that privacy and, uh, and had the, uh, what's called a, a removal of the prostate, prostatectomy, uh, to go for a cure if I could. But it brought up uh, a whole host of issues. The fact that I was below 50, that I was told I was not supposed to be getting tested, that I was not supposed to get a blood test or a physical examination for prostate cancer, not to be screened was quite alarming. And I have run into a number of individuals that were under the age of 50, uh, some under the age of 40 that were diagnosed with prostate cancer. And so uh, it alarmed me to the point that I thought, what can I do besides be very open, very public about this situation? And so we had a news conference at the Capitol where I announced the fact that I was gonna have prostate cancer surgery and tried to be as public as I possibly could uh, to tell people the recommendations aren't necessarily going to cover you. And I'll never forget the fact that I had heard probably five years before that, maybe a little longer, that Frank Zappa had died of prostate cancer, I believe at the age of 48. 
Wow. And, I, and just as a doctor, I go, well, that can't be prostate cancer. He's only 48. Uh, but sure enough, and shortly after I was diagnosed, uh, you know, just famous people like Dan Fogelberg died at age 53 of prostate cancer. And so it kills men. It's the second leading cause of cancer deaths in men. And it is nearly 100% preventable mm. uh, once you're diagnosed that you would be able to be treated and cured. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, we just have to screen people. We have to do it at an early age. We have to understand what the risk factors are. Mm-hmm. And that that being African-American men, mm-hmm. uh, 37 to 40% will get prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. If you have a family history, uh, no matter what your, your um, uh, ethnicity is, mm-hmm. you're about a 40% chance of getting prostate cancer. And that means if your father... If your uncle, your grandfather, any male member of your family, you're at risk. What percentage was that again, Steve? It's they're all about 40 percent. Wow. And so if let's just say you're a male, uh, let's say you're a white male, went to Vietnam and you had a family history, you were exposed to Agent Orange. Agent Orange is a presumptive cause of prostate cancer, as well as a whole host of other uh, illnesses and cancers. Mm-hmm. And so then you're, you're shooting at about 60 to 65%. Wow. So we, we, those three groups, primarily, we have to target in our screenings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as I have mentioned to you, this state fair, the last, uh, 15 state fairs minus mm-hmm. last year, because there was no state fair, we do free prostate cancer screenings. Mm-hmm. And we try to, if, if we can't get the male to be screened, we go to his wife, we go to his daughter. Uh, Heather usually will catch them in the in the aisles between exhibits at Health Horizons at the State Fair in the South Wing, mm-hmm. and explain. You know, just tell, tell the wife this is a free exam. You know, has he been has he been evaluated in the last uh, year or two? Mm-hmm. And so it is something that is so easy to do. And I know that we have saved countless men at the State Fair over the last fifteen years because they have come back the next year mm-hmm. and told us thank you for pushing me to get screened or the wife will come up with the male, the, mm-hmm. the husband or the daughter will come bring her father and say, thank you for saving our lives. Prostate cancer itself is one of those things that you really don't have much warning of. Mm-hmm. And that so makes it very insidious that the thing that I could, any male could be walking around with cancer and not have any signs or symptoms. That's extremely insidious as a killer. Well, a- absolutely. And, and there are others. I mean, pancreatic cancer, th- you know, there are things that get out of the barn, so to speak, before you really have big symptoms. So that's why it is so valuable to do a generalized screening to make sure that you kind of give the patient the ultimate chance to, to know if they've got early prostate cancer and do something about it before it's too late. Once mm-hmm. prostate cancer cells are outside of the prostate, uh, we really don't have a, at this point in time, a cure. There are, other, there are a lot of things being tested now. There are a lot of things that have been tried, but there is no cure for uh, you know, metastatic prostate cancer. There are things you can do to, to give the man more, life, more years in his life, mm-hmm. but, but there's no cure. So today, thank God, uh, Dr. Stephen Henry, you are you're looking good and you sound good, and I, and it sounds like you're very active despite uh, having this uh, setback. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's 19 years since that time, and uh, activity levels are that's one of the things you got to try to stay as healthy as you possibly can be. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, you never, the word cure never comes into my description of myself. Uh, I try to make sure that I do everything I can to, to if I have one cancerous cell in my body, I'm not going to do anything to assist that cell to, mm-hmm. to start to, to moving. And so my mission is to try to take care of myself, but also to try to educate men in Kentucky. And that's why at the Kentucky State Fair, we're going to have six days. The first four days of the fair every year, we do screenings. Now, this year, due to COVID, we will only be doing the prostate cancer uh, blood test, the PSA. Uh, but you can, you know, there are a lot of men that come every year. Uh, but due to COVID concerns, we're not going to do the physical physical exams this year. Mm-hmm. But the PSA should give everybody that's been there in past years the ability to compare. Research shows that if it's more than 0.75 in one year, that means that there is a brisk increase in that number. And that rate of increase is indicative of cancer. And that's how fine-tuned the PSA blood test is, is that that research is pretty consistent on on that uh, rate of increase. Well, for our listeners, the Kentucky State Fair will be held August the 19th through the 29th in Louisville, Kentucky. Those days... If I could put it uh, uh, on your program, will be the first first four days of the Kentucky State Fair, which starts on Thursday, uh, the August nineteenth. So nineteenth, twentieth, twenty first, twenty second. We will skip a day, and then Senior Day is the twenty fourth, Tuesday, and then we will also do it on Saturday, the twenty eighth. And we will we will be there from ten in the morning till six. And then after six, we close down every night. But uh, we generally will have a small line, but there's usually a very small wait. Well, this year, really going to encourage people to stop by the uh, Pfizer-sponsored booth at the Kentucky State Fair. And Steve, uh, you said uh, senior day is which day? I believe it is Tuesday the 24th. And for more information about today's guests, please visit his own personal website, stephenhenrymd.com. And Stephen, uh, Dr. Henry, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, sir, for taking your time to address a very important issue for, uh, for men as we continue to age with grace. Have a blessed day, sir. Thank you for having me. You can listen to the entire 40-minute interview with Dr. Steve Henry on awg55.com forward slash full episodes. And now as we conclude episode nine of Aging with Grace 55 plus, I want to maintain that healthy focus and uh, talk about something that's ubiquitous in every diet, sandwich bread. Uh, It's got an interesting story, but before we get there, I'm sorry, after we do that story, stick around for a few more minutes because I've got a motivational story that I always like to end my podcast with. And this one is an elephant rope story which we will get to in about uh, four minutes. But first, but first, uh, I love reading different books. And I read a book called Eat This and Live. And in there, there's a wonderful story about a journey, a journey uh, from wheat to white. And uh, it's about bread. Because you see, all bread starts as whole grain. But to make white bread, Manufacturers remove the outer shell of the grain with all of its healthy fiber and B vitamins. Then the nutrition-packed wheat germ is extracted. Both the fiber 
and the wheat germ are actually resold to health food stores. So when we go in wanting more fiber, more wheat germ, well, we'll get it there, but not necessarily on wheat bread where it first started. And now the bread now denuded into white flour heads to the mainstream market to be made into white bread, buns, pastries, crackers, pasta, and so on. All those things that are so delicious that we enjoy, but which in time we found out are not necessarily as good for us. You see, white bread is created from one part of the grain head that is ground into fine powder. Since the bran and germ have been removed, approximately 80% of the wheat's nutrients are now gone. That's right, taken away, removed. The milling process involves such high temperatures that the remaining grain is damaged by oxidation and has a grayish appearance. Can you imagine buying a a loaf of gray-colored bread? Yeah, let me pass me that loaf of our gray bread over there on the shelf. Yeah, that one right there. I want that. No, you don't, because consumers don't want to buy gray bread. So, understanding this, manufacturers bleach it white. If there were any vitamins and minerals left, most are now destroyed in the bleaching process. So everything's gone. All the good stuff's taken out. And now we have to add low-grade vitamins and minerals, along with man-made cyber fats, sugars, food additives, and maybe a sprinkling of grains on the top. And the bread is marketed as healthy sandwich bread. I think we can draw a conclusion safely that is not our definition of healthy bread. So when you're at the the store, do as I do and my family does. Let's enjoy that loaf of wheat bread and uh, say sayonara to the white bread. Your body will thank you for it. Years ago, when walking through an elephant camp near a circus, And that truly was years ago, thankfully. A man noticed that one of the elephants was only secured with a small rope that was tied around one ankle. He wondered why the elephant doesn't break free from the flimsy rope, as the elephants were certainly strong enough to do so. So he said, "Um, hey, 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 trainer, trainer, why aren't these elephants trying to break free? The trainer responded by saying that because they use the same size rope for baby elephants all the way up to adulthood. Because they're too small when they're babies to break free from the rope, they grow up being conditioned that the rope is stronger than they are. As adults, they think the rope can still hold them, so yes, they don't even fight it. The elephants in this case are experiencing what psychologists call learned helplessness. You know, it's amazing that these elephants, like people, things that are so flimsy can hold us and freeze us to the point where there's a syndrome called learned helplessness. If you go through life thinking that you can't do something just because you have failed at doing it in the past, you're living with what psychologists also call a fixed mindset. You have to let go of limiting beliefs, let go of that flimsy rope that's around your ankle figuratively in order to make the breakthroughs that require for our ultimate success. There was an old saying, well, before I get the old saying, let me say this, 
don't let other people tell you that you can't do something and then don't hold on to an assumption that you can't grow and learn from past failures. That's just, that, that's just not reality. Um, there's an old saying that says, uh, what is it? Uh, if you don't think you can, you can't. <laughs> and that's right. If you think you can't, then guess what? You can't. You see, you, you probably already know that um, our subconscious mind is largely responsible for the decisions that we make. But did you know that your subconscious mind accounts for 95% of all of our thinking? 95% of all of our thinking comes from our subconscious mind. That's where that flimsy rope is. You know, our beliefs are formed in this area of our mind that we just don't second guess. And our beliefs are largely set before we even reach the age of seven. The baby elephant with the rope around his ankle, lit figuratively, the rope around our ankles, according to psychologists and researchers, is uh, tied off, set at the age of seven years old. Seven years old. So my point of this is, and where this is going is, um, and actually I'll tie in to... Um, to a researcher, Dr. Carol Dweck. She's a researcher at Stanford University, and she found out that people have a fixed mindset. They believe that their basic abilities, intelligence, and talents are just fixed traits. They think they are born with a certain amount, and that's all that we have. A flimsy rope around our ankles. The beliefs that you learn as a child are ingrained into your brain to the point you don't even stop to question them. As we grow into adulthood, we could break that flimsy rope, but you know what? It held us always, so why can't it hold us back now? Or maybe it's a mindset that we have. I'm too old. Well, remember at the beginning of this um, podcast, I in my epilogue, I talked about um, Colonel Harlan Sanders, who was in his 60s before he built a finger-licking good empire. Uh, Julia Child was 49 when she wrote her first cookbook. She didn't let the flimsy rope around her ankle hold her back. And the best story in this in this uh, series that we um, I shared at the beginning, in my humble opinion, was Diana Nyad. Remember her? 64 years old, four failed attempts to swim from Cuba to Florida, spending 36 years, but she finally did it. She finally broke that flimsy rope and achieved her dreams as these all the people have so i'll leave you this final thought as a challenge let's push through and create and grasp onto and develop a growth mindset which has an underlying underlying belief that learning and intelligence can grow with time and experience people with a growth mindset believe their abilities and intelligence can be developed with effort learning and there's that word persistence basic abilities are simply a starting point for potential basic abilities are simply a starting point for our potential we don't of course believe everyone is not the same but we do believe on to the central idea that everyone can be smarter everyone can accomplish something if they only try and don't give up. So, and then the final point, 
with the final, final point, because I said a final point a minute ago, let's not forget the incredible strength baby elephants possess who grow into maturity with what they could, if not for the flimsy rope tied there to their ankle, tied to a stake, could accomplish. Thank you so much for listening to my monthly podcast series made possible by Kentucky AARP. Tune in for future episodes, including a woman, now retired, is finally able to pursue her lifelong passion for painting. Another guest shares her grandfather's ledgers and can also trace her family history back to 1580 Germany. By the way, if you have ideas about future guests or have comments to share, please send them to your host, Dale Josie. Dale, that's me, D-A-L-E, at awg55.com. Our quote for today is from Atomic Habits by James Clear, who writes, Remember, good habits make time your ally. Bad habits make time your enemy. So till next time, thanks for listening. And always, always be good to yourself and to others. Thank you.